Hello and welcome everybody to Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. And today we are gearing up for the home opener, March 11th, Minnesota United hosting New York Red Bulls. And thank goodness we just got another blast of snow and more snow to come. It would not be a Minnesota home opener, I don't think, if we had a little white stuff on the ground. So now I get to be uh, joined by the legendary center back, Michael Boxel for Minnesota United. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I know you've been thinking all week about legendary a bit loosely there, but I like it. Good to see you again. Yeah. Good to see you, even if it's on zoom, Um, but that's okay. But I I, uh, appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you've been gearing up for this all week. I know we're only on Tuesday, but I'm sure you've been gearing up during the off week, during the bye week Like, what am I going to talk to Kendra about on sound of the loons? Oh yeah. This is uh, more nerve wracking than, than what's going to be on, on Saturday. So yeah, I'll, Sweating a little bit, but we'll, I think I'll be able to get through this. Yeah. Well, maybe your wife gave you some like tips on, you know, how to deal with media and stuff. She's kind of, she's kind of rocking it these days. Yeah. She, she's a boss, but she doesn't give me too many tips. She just, uh, you gotta, you gotta learn the hard way, uh, learn from your mistakes. So here we are. Here, here we are. You're stuck with me again. <laughs> um, Hey, so let's just, I just want to dive right into it. Cause I didn't get to talk to you really at all during preseason, which I know was Thank goodness you were in warmer climates. At least you could just play on grass, right? I mean, you got to get on the real stuff. You got to get yeah. a little bit of the vitamin D, especially when you came home from New Zealand. You know, you're used to this by now. You get it. You understand what, you know, mm-hmm. preseason and uh, what MLS and early on is like, you know, Vancouver and and here in Minnesota. But going away, kind of feeling that grind, getting back into the fitness testing. So just walk me back to the January 6th or whatever day it was when you guys reported and then kind of how the preseason went for you. Um, yeah, obviously we put in a lot of work during the off season and they, we get sent programs and weekly updates of what we're expected to do. So, I mean, everybody came in pretty sharp and even though it's, yeah, you're not wanting to be back on the, on the turf. It's, it's good to be back with all the guys again. And then, um, yeah, it doesn't take, too many days before you're off to Florida and then off to Palm Springs and you're on the grass and um, me not getting disturbed two, three times in the night by my kids uh, waking me up. So um, yeah, there's obviously some perks of of hitting away, uh, seeing the sun, getting on grass, and then obviously in Palm Springs, getting to play against other MLS teams um, as you kind of ramp up towards, towards the season. So yeah, obviously the guys have worked really hard and have been in in good shape. Um, and obviously week one in Dallas was a testament to that. I think everyone was really on the same page and, and worked really hard for each other and yeah, got that got that result to to give us a good start. Which is crazy when you think about some of the new pieces that you brought in, and particularly in your role in that center back position and some of the new mm-hmm. partnerships once again. We kind of joked the last six years about the different center back pairings that you've had over the years, whether it's players coming in and out, whether it's injuries, whatever it might be. And you're mm-hmm. sort of the constant mainstay there. So you felt good going into that Dallas game, even though a couple of these guys had only had preseason, maybe part of preseason to sort of mix and gel and find that cohesiveness with the back line. Yeah, obviously Mickey came into the fold when I think just heading into Palm Springs. So, but then wasn't allowed to because of these issues, wasn't allowed to play in those games. But obviously training with him, you see how confident he is on the ball. How, I mean, how he presses, how he just the little things that 
that make uh, a good centre-back. And I think just how he tacks the ball and how he he's always covering in the right positions. So you kind of can pick up on those very quickly. And you saw that in the Dallas game where I thought he was excellent. Um, and yeah, obviously, even though I've played with a couple of centre-backs here and there, it's you. it does take a little bit of time to, to get your partnership together. So, but I mean, to start if that's the starting point and to think that we should only continue to get better and better, then um, I think it kind of bodes well, um, but he's fit in well. He's um, yeah. Obviously everybody saw him against Dallas. He was, he was excellent. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to to building on that. When you talk about bringing in some new pieces, some that were international, some that came from other leagues, some that were within the league, Daniel Henry, of course, and you have mm-hmm. bring in a right back in Zarek Valentin, who's just been around a long time. Good from what we hear, a good locker room guy, a good clubhouse guy, as they like to say. But mm-hmm. how important was it even for the players that just sit in front of you to have that sort of continuity with the players that are in front of the center backs, a familiarity there as you may be rotating some of that back line, especially in that Dallas game, to have somebody like a Will Trap or whether it's going to be going forward, Kervin Ariaga or Joseph Rosales, whoever it mm-hmm. might be in that center mid role, Hassani <clears throat> Dotson back in the mix, which is always fun to see, to have yeah. some familiarity there. Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, when you look at how we kind of finished last season and the way we started this year, there, there weren't a lot of changes um, to the squad. And then obviously a few injuries in preseason kind of forced us to make changes. But yeah, obviously I'll now we've got a, a healthy midfield, four or five, who are all, I mean, you take two of any of those guys and, and put them in front of me and I know they're going to, I mean, all those guys cover so much ground, great on the ball. Um and I think we just need to, as a back four, help get them higher up the pitch so that they can be more, um, just have more of an impact in, in the final third of the game. Uh, there's times where, where we get a little too stretched um, when the game gets up and down and we're sometimes a little too lazy and Adrian lets us know about that. But yeah, if we keep things tighter and let them squeeze up the field and help the front guys, then I think that'll help us have have a bit more success. Speaking of the front guys, um, you know, Robin kind of tucked in in more of that number 10 role in the Dallas game, which mm-hmm. he has no issue doing, has no problem getting on the ball, being on the ball, helping create. You've got Fragapana who can tuck in and create. You've got someone who can stretch it wide right if you want Bongi in there. However, you guys, you know, your front four, front five can really be relatively fluid. And then when you have outside backs that can also overlap and kind of join in. So from your vantage point where you sit, what did you see from the Dallas game? You guys had less of the possession, less of the chances, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, all that matters is that you got on the score sheet. Mender capitalizing on an opportunity. So hopefully in year two for him, he'll start clicking a little bit more knowing he came in midway through last year. What did you see from your vantage point? Um, Yeah, obviously we know, what we can get from a healthy Bonky now that he's fully recovered from his injury and got through the preseason well. He's yeah, he can be like a like a spark plug for us and really get things going. Um obviously Fraga, he lo- loves to come inside in those pockets and create overloads, uh, which can cause big issues for for other defenses. And then yeah, I mean Robin, he's he's excellent no matter which position you put him. It's yeah, I think I've said this about a thousand times and I'm probably gonna say it another thousand more that no matter where you put him on the field and he's he's going to do be like an eight or nine out of 10 at what he does. Um, yeah, I was tempted to put him at center back one day just to see how, how me and him go at the back. That'll be, that'll be interesting, but no, um, yeah, obviously Mender, he's um, obviously scored, scored a great goal, very opportunistic. And then 
But I think even aside from that, how he occupies the center back, the space in between the fullback and the center backs, loves to get the ball. But then when he's kind of like a last option, we've had to fire it in at his like chest, which is kind of what led to the goal and uh, a couple other opportunities in that game as well. He he can get a hold of it. He, he is a handful and got a bit of pace too. So I think the goal is going to do his confidence a, a world of wonders and yeah, excited to see what, what more he can bring. We all know that scoring goals is the most difficult part of the the business. At least that's what everybody tells us. That's why those number nines get paid so much money. You might, <laughs> you might beg to differ on the other end of the, on the other end of the pitch, but assuming Luis comes back in the mix at some point and is available for you guys. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit from your, you know, sitting here, put your coach's hat on. What is the difference in the qualities? If you play, whether they're playing together, whether they're playing um, at different times, what does Mendar give you versus what does Luis Amaria give you? And if they are playing together, if they do happen to be on the pitch at the same time, what do you see? How does that work? Um, I think Mender is kind of a more like North or South player, but also he's one of the ones where you can like fire into an ex- and I think he, he could be more reliable to hold up the ball and, and bring others into play, which can suit us a lot because we, when we defend, we do sit a little bit deeper. So then we do need someone to hold onto the ball. So that gives the midfielders time to, to get into that attacking third. Obviously Luis, he's, he can, he scores goals and, in so many different ways, um, but yeah, it does does rely on service. So again, if we're sitting too deep, it's it just makes it so much more difficult for any of our attackers if they're going to receive the ball forty yards from goal and expect to to create something from that. So it really starts at the back that we've got to squeeze up and if we can win the ball higher up, uh, so there's less less distance to go to goal. Then I think that'll be kind of our, our recipe to success. And um, yeah, I think we can't rely on just one player to to get the job done for us. It's really giving the front guys more service, but also better service from, from the right areas. I think we kind of rely on, there's been seasons where we've relied on crosses from deep areas where, I mean, if I'm a defender and they're crossing from those areas, I'm like, I'm comfortable with that. But if we can uh, be more of a threat, more, in and around the 18-yard the box, then I think that's where we'll, yeah, be a lot more dangerous. Where, how many are you going to put in this year? I feel like you were a little um, disappointed last year. Yeah, I think I was in the negatives last year. So I think first and it's foremost... It's not like a I hockey not... player. You were like a minus three on the on the day or something. Yeah, my, my net goals was, was <laughs> negative last year. So if I can stay above zero, that's, that's the first goal. Um, but yeah, as I said before, it's scoring goals. You're not relying on one or two players. And I think... As a back four, um, if we can chip in maybe a handful between the the lot of us, then um, I'll be happy. I mean, now you've reminded me, it's like every game I've got my wife reminding me I haven't scored for a while. So <laughs> I, I need to I need to get on the score sheet again to so I can buy myself a bit more time from for the criticism from my wife. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before Max catches on to that. And then she starts chiming in. I know my daughter does it every night to my to my husband at the dinner table. Like now it's like, Dad, why don't you do this? Dad, well, you know, like so it's only a matter of time before Max starts chirping in your ear as well. Yeah, that's 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 the last thing I need, I'm sure. But no, I mean, I think my, as long as we win the home games and my daughter gets to score herself after the games, then I think she'll be more happy with that than than worrying about me scoring. So Obviously, results come first, and if you can play a, um, a bigger part in that by scoring, then that's great. But, yeah, 
three points is always more important. Um, speaking of three points, I'm assuming a huge piece of that or a big part of that will be the performance of Dane St. Clair. And I know it's crazy to think that it was just, just maybe not quite a year ago that against the Red Bulls, he stepped in last minute on the road for mm-hmm. Tyler Mello, who had come up ill and had yep. that big penalty save in a big game for him trying to, you know, solidify himself back in that starting role. What do you see from Dane now that, you know, he's got another year under his belt. He's coming mm-hmm. up. Did you have to bring him down a little bit? Like he's coming off a world cup, you know, appearance. Did you have to like tell him to like tamper it down a little bit? I saw him kind of chirping at Bigsy on Twitter yesterday about his ball catching abilities with the bag. Uh, he's kind okay. of struggling um, a little bit. No, we haven't had to bring him down. I think he may, he might've come down a little bit from the, the penalty shootout last year. So <laughs> <laughs> no, right. but he, he's obviously, he's absolutely class. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that ripple game was, an absurd performance from a goalkeeper um, from whether I've seen it in the league or watching on TV in any of the top leagues around the world, you, the saves he made were otherworldly. So um, yeah, I think a big thing I've noticed is his distribution and kicking has, has taken a, a step up. Um, really noticed that in Dallas last year, I mean, last, last week. So that's um Obviously, he's spent the offseason working on things he needs to work on. And, uh, yeah, thankfully in Dallas, the, the whole team was kind of defending really well. So he wasn't really caught upon too many times, maybe yeah, once or twice from the corner, I think. And then so if we can do that job and only rely on him less than we have had to in the past, um, then that's great. But I think having him, <clears throat> knowing that you have him behind you, you know that you can get away with one or two because he's going to save some shots that should be hitting for the back of the net. Awesome. And then last but not least, just taking a look ahead at Red Bulls, but not mm. even just about the opponent is you guys had a weird week to bye week, which was kind of, you know, it's kind of strange when it comes that early, yeah. but you had the opportunity to have an open training session. The weather wasn't ideal, but fans came out. Now you host the Red Bulls. So talk me through a little bit of a being back at Allianz Field and just the atmosphere, regardless of the weather, you know, people are going to turn up and mm-hmm. be what you've seen from the Red Bulls. They do have two games under their belt, haven't scored a goal yet, haven't gotten a win, a loss at a draw. What mm-hmm. do you see from the Red Bulls and how excited to be back at Allianz Field in front of fans? Yeah, I think first and foremost, when we had the open training, uh, I think I've been here far too long if I'm thinking like zero degrees Celsius. But it, was, it, it was like warm. Um, so, no, it was the field's looking in the best shape I've seen it at this point of the year since we've probably been at <laughs> TCF was probably <laughs> better <laughs> at this point of the year. But no, the, the ground staff have done an excellent job. It's looking good. And obviously to to have that training in front of fans just kind of gets you the buzz going and the excitement rolling on towards opening week and just bring reminds you how loud and how um, how the atmosphere can really get you going in that stadium. So, yeah, we're really excited for that. And obviously Red Bulls, yeah, they haven't had the best start, I think. But then we played them in Palm Springs when we were not at our best for the first 45 especially. And then um, obviously preseason games, it's always difficult to to kind of gauge. But, uh, yeah, we'll still got to go over some video over them. I think Gaffs is we'll do that tomorrow. Um but I mean, anytime you any any team in this league have threats. So anytime you go into games not bringing your A game, then you're gonna get punished. And I think for us, especially at home, the home opener, um, 
in front of our fans. We we need to get rolling from the first whistle. Uh, we know we know our crowd's going to bring it, so we need to to really ride that and and match that as well. So, no, we're we're buzzing to get things going at home this year. I think in the past it's it's really been a fortress, and our fans are a big part of that. So, yeah, excited to get going. Awesome, thanks, Boxy. Appreciate you taking the time. I don't Thank know if you, you uh, have a gym workout or what going on next, but. On to the next thing. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Okay, good seeing you too. Take care. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to segment number two of the Sound of the Loons podcast. And now I should say, once again, give a little love to our partners at Alina Health Orthopedics to make sure that uh, we give them some love because they are a great sponsor, not only of this podcast, but several other things with Minnesota United. So welcome back to segment number two. And uh, just lovely to be joined by the director of soccer operations, Manny Lagos. I, I seriously had to triple check every time. To just make sure what your title is. And I know you're not big into titles, <laughs> but just knowing that you've literally done like everything at the club, I always am like, gosh, I got to get this right. I got to make sure that I get it right. And I'm sure it doesn't matter to you, but just wanted to make sure I gave you the right the right title as you're joining us here today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's surreal, uh, the titles I've had here, but in an awesome <laughs> way. I mean, on the cusp of our home opener and, and you know, a March start and uh, at Allianz Field, um, it's surreal. It's surreal to to have another year. I'm so excited. Usually I just call you like Mr. Minnesota soccer. And I don't know how your dad feels about that. Cause he's kind of Mr. Like Minnesota all-time soccer too, that it's trickled on, on down to you, but you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Allianz field, March 11th home opener against the Red Bulls. It we'd, we'd be sad if there wasn't some white stuff on the ground outside of the stadium. I'm sure the field, Michael Boxel was just talking about it. You guys had open training there last weekend, said the field was in immaculate shape, great condition, ready for this game. I mean, once again, how pumped are you for another home opener with Minnesota United? I'm so pumped. I mean, it's, it's, again, I, I use this word, the word surreal uh, in a way that um, is so genuine because it's not just about the home opener. It's about it's about the season here. It's about the level of soccer in the Twin Cities now for the next, next eight or nine months. That's going to happen every couple of weeks at Allianz Field. And again, that's a, a ton of credit to so many people that have allowed um, the Twin Cities to express themselves with this great, great global sport and have embraced it and and are, are part of the story and and this year's a new story and you know we're really excited about the story we think we've built something special both on the field and and obviously i think the fans have uh, contributed to building something incredibly special uh within the stadium itself yeah and i mean you and i have sort of been blessed and uh to be a part of the minnesota soccer landscape for a really long time so we've been able to witness this transformation. And I'm sure you experienced the same thing, your brother, your sister, you know, your family members come into Allianz field. And even back when it was at TCF stadium, you know, before it was um, a soccer specific, but just Minnesota United coming into fruition as an MLS club. Like I know when we have people that come to the games that haven't been to a game and, but we're part of the landscape here. It's like, you still sort of have to pinch yourself and remind yourself that you're, you're in St. Paul, Minnesota, you're in the midway in this phenomenal stadium with this club, with this culture, what you guys, you know, have built, whether it was back in the the Thunder days and even prior to that and to where it's at now, you kind of have to pinch yourself and remind yourself where you're sitting, where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I 
pretty much every game, but particularly right now when we know the story's about to start and we have the home opener and and you know uh, the fans are now really like into uh, this being part of their lifestyle, being part of what they want. So they're excited because they haven't had it for four or five months. And they're really excited for us to get going because they want this to be a part of, the, of their cadence of living in the Twin Cities. And certainly, um, you know, I, I pinch myself about the stadium because I think it's it's the most beautiful stadium I've probably ever been in. And I think it's one of the top stadiums in the league by far, if not the best. And then I pinch myself about the actual love of the fans and the club and the team and the vibe that happens on a game day, which is just so organic and so real and so genuine from like uh, a belief in in the club and a belief in what we're trying to do and a belief in that Minnesota and the Twin Cities deserve uh, the highest level soccer possible because that's the kind of market we are for such a great global game. And I know we talked about the home opener. That's what we've been talking about. But it's 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night against the Red Bulls. Tickets are still available. MNUFC.com, just a handful left, I think. For a good price, if you want to get into one of the best experiences you'll ever have in the state of Minnesota when it comes to sports, I highly recommend it. And also, I know that they're giving away some stuff. You know, there's going to be festivities outside. I mean, you they they do it up right with the food trucks. Doesn't matter the temperature. Doesn't matter what's going on. As long as you know weather permitting, people can be out there. They will be out there. And then what you know when we focus a little bit on the soccer itself. To have a home opener finally, even though it's only been two weeks, only one game for you guys on the road. When you glance back at what preseason looked like, the amount of new players, but also the amount of returning players, some pieces of the puzzle still missing. When you look at that FC Dallas game to go on a road, on the road to their home opener and get that result. What do you think that meant for the club to kind of kick things off that way? I, I thought it was an outstanding night of soccer for the club, for the state. Um, I, I think, um, you know, the adversity of, of a season will still come. There's a lot, lot to be had, particularly even getting a win. This, this first home opener is never easy as Dallas found out. But I, I think for us, um, you know, the adversity of the preseason was tough. There's a lot of areas where things went great. I thought the guys prepared well, they trained hard, they worked hard, but there's always things within the roster, within the the realities of, of where you are, where you want to be. Uh, certainly by the end of the year, we want to be one of the best teams in the league and holding the trophy. But I think at this point, um, considering the adversity we had in preseason and how the guys went out and played, not only not not only just you know got the result, but the way they went about the game, the way they went about going to, like you said, I don't think Dallas had won a home opener since 2009 or had lost a home opener, a home opener since 2009. And we, we just really had one of those games where it showed – the qualities, particularly structured defensive shape, uh, limiting chances, organized guys, really clear with what their roles are, what the responsibility are on the field, and and it really was to me a, a one of our better away performances that we've had in the last couple of years. And then looking ahead to the Red Bulls, and and actually, real quick, I want to go back to what you something you just said there about it's a long season. You know, there's always still going to be adversity to come. When we were talking to Chris Mueller before the Chicago game, he said the one thing we got to work on is, is how we handle the difficult moments. It's a long season. So how do you handle the difficult moments in a season is what makes teams great at that point. So is that sort of what you talk about? It's a long season. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be, you know, players in and out, whatever it might be. It's the finding the consistency and handling some of those difficult moments, those adversities, maybe a little bit of those slumps, however you kind of find a way to manage that and come out of it. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, I was mentioning, I, I think this preseason was a challenge one because there was a lot of adversity off the field that more than we usually had. And I think the guys really fought through that to make sure they're focused on having a good preseason in terms of working hard and working together. And it was really nice to see in the, in the opening day in Dallas, all that hard work given the adversity uh, and the result. And I, I think after that, you're right, it's just one game. So now we got to continue to learn. We got to continue to embrace the new challenges are going to start coming to season fast and furious. Uh, but again, it was certainly a great sign for a first game, showing the guys come together as a group and a unit and play so well. You Were you surprised at all of the cohesiveness of the back line, knowing that Valentin is new, that Tapias is new, hadn't even played with the guys or in a game really as much as even Valentin had in, in preseason, but you still have Boxel back there. You had Lawrence back there in the starting lineup, Kamar. And then, of course, Trap and Ariaga always kind of help sitting in front of that back forward with the familiarity there. Were you surprised at the cohesiveness of the defense just because it is the first game with some new pieces or no? I wasn't too surprised just given how the guys were playing, particularly, uh, you know, shape and structure throughout the preseason, particularly the, the last 10 to 12 days of preseason. You know, again, a lot of the fans didn't get to see the games this time around and didn't get to be there to kind of see where the team is going. And, you know, obviously you look at results for during preseason, but you try not to too much because, again, th- they are uniquely preseasons about getting fit. It's about individual kind of growth along with kind of this group unit growth. Um, so to me, um, maybe not as surprised as, as our fan base or, or people that uh, in the MLS offices were like, oh, I don't know where Minnesota is going to end up this year. But um, again, for me, I, I I think I was more surprised with not the shape and structure, but just how within the moment, the, the calmness, but focused kind of intentionality of playing well as a group. I was surprised how well we did in a, an environment that usually is very tough to do that. You talk about the growth of the group kind of transitioning to sort of the player pathways. I believe I talked to Mark Watson a couple of weeks ago about sort of you guys added some of those higher age groups now in the academies. We've talked a lot about, I talked to um, Cameron Knowles about, uh, you know, MNUFC two and the different pathways, the player pathways on the bench that night against Dallas, you had Patrick Wea, Fred Emmings and Tanya Olawashe, which of course Tanya came through the draft, but spent some time last year with MNUFC two. So when you look at sort of what Minnesota United has accomplished, this is only year two of MLS next pro of MNUFC two. How do you see this pathway continuing, especially with the upper age groups in, in the Academy added now? Yeah, I mean, I, I I see it as an incredible opportunity for Minnesota to kind of have a, even more of an identity of what we are as a club and what we are as a community and how we can impact Minnesota soccer for for boys and girls, frankly, um, and the youth level and how that transitions into the high elite amateur level and then certainly how that transitions to the professional level. And and for me, I, I, I'm excited because it's not just about us in Minnesota United. It's actually about how are we going to help guide and build and I like to use the phrase, bring out the best in everybody, bring out the best in each youth club in Minnesota, bring out the best in each kid that dreams of playing Allianz field or dreams of, of going to college soccer. So to me, um, you know, I, I think we're in year two of, of something within the second team that bridges something from the Academy, which we've done for a few more years, but we're still new to it. And then builds in the first team as a roster build mechanism, but on a bigger scale, I, I think it's bigger than that. I think it's about, the identity of, of what we can do to kind of help bring out the best in Minnesota soccer at all levels and give hopefully all kids a great soccer experience. So they will be not only the best soccer version of themselves, but they will be soccer fans for life. And so to me, 
Um, it's just another example of, of, of when you pinch yourself on the level of Allianz Field. I now pinch myself on where the league is, where it's going. Its relevance in the global market now is just keeps on skyrocketing. Um, and again, I, I think all of that is is just such an exciting time. And there, there's never, I think, a better time to be a youth soccer player in this country because you're going to have so many resources, so many good coaches, so many opportunities and pathways that are now clear for you to take advantage of to potentially become a, a player that plays one day at Allianz Field. Yeah, I know Cameron was super excited about what this year two would look like because so much of last year, because it was new for everybody, including the league, this MNUFC to this MLS Next Pro was a new concept. So everyone's sort of scrambling to make sure they just have the coaching staff in place, the training staff, in place, you know, just those kinds of things. And now he feels so settled with this group. And then he felt really good about the players that were with, you know, the, the first team, almost all of preseason. I mean, you talk about an incredible experience for some of those youngsters to be able to be with the first team during preseason and learn from that and be a part of that experience. It feels like it's only going to benefit everybody in the long run, whether it's the first team or the young players to be able to see that that is the pathway. And this is how you need to be or to train or to take care of yourself or sleep or nutrition to be at that level. That's where you want to be. Oh yeah. And I, I think one of the nice things too, up here at our training facility, um, you know, you have all of that kind of getting integrated. Now you have obviously our Academy kids train, in the late afternoon, but sometimes they train in the morning. So they interact with the guys. And then you have the second team that trains in or right around when the first team trains. And so some of the guys are available for the first team, second team, they're all in the gym doing lifting, pre-activation, post-activation. Um, so there's a lot of, of this awesome integration that I think is creating a great cultural environment up here. And ultimately I, I think, um, you know, when you have a preseason where you people come in and out and you have like a Carlos Letterman as an academy kid being with the first team almost the entire preseason, uh, that type of experience is, is great, like you said, for the kid. But it's also great for the club and, and great for the older guys to see a, a young player like that who is in this phase of his life that he is just so excited to be a part of, of a first team uh, you know, preseason. Uh, it was really special. When we look ahead at Red Bulls coming in and not just the experience at Allianz, because you kind of hammered that one home because it's going to be epic. But when you look at the Red Bulls themselves, they do have two games already under their belt. They played at home last weekend and with a draw against Nashville. And then prior to that, losing at Orlando City. So not a goal on the season yet for them. What do you see from this game coming up? What have you been able to sort of glean from a team like the Red Bulls, who's had some changeover as well? Um, but, you know, always just, it, it's this league. It's the parody of this league. Anybody on any given day can beat just about anybody. So what do you see from the Red Bulls coming in? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, getting the wins in this league is is tough, but it's also very important. So I think you're going to have a hungry team that is going to be fighting for their first win of the season. Um, I think arguably they were the better team on the day against Orlando uh, and probably a little unlucky with a PK call that was for me a little bit soft and they played pretty well. So I, I think that's a good indicator that this is a really good team. And then um, obviously Nashville is a tough, tough opponent no matter what. So I, I think that you could look at that as a negative. They didn't get a win at home. Or you could look at, you know, this is a good team that's had two pretty good games. Um, and ultimately, for me, I think one of the unique things about this weekend is these are this is one of the very distinct teams that has a very distinct style. Um, you know, they tend to play, you know, some type of 4-4-2, some type of pressing, some type of wanting to win the ball higher up the field and have numbers up high up the field so that they can create chances off of turnover. So it's it's one that, you know, our group and our team has to be ready for. Uh, in terms of the intensity, particularly of how they press and how they try to win the ball back. Uh, but certainly I think it's also uh, a team that you can get at 
if you can really make sure that you don't lose the ball in bad spots, that you take care of the ball and you get it from one area of the field to the other, and you can create some really good numbers going forward that way. Because again, they they do throw a lot forward to try to win the ball high up the field. I know you're not going to be let off the hook here without doing some pre-game festivities. I'm sure on game day, I know how you guys are. You're buzzing around. You're visiting this suite, that suite, you know, going out on the lawn. You've got, you're shaking hands and kissing babies and all that stuff on, <laughs> on game days. But even leading up to that, there's a pretty sweet event this year called Bangers Only Ball on Thursday night at another Minnesota legend in first half, which, you know, if you haven't been to first half, you you haven't really lived in Minnesota, but what what can you say about events like this that build into the season? You guys had boot soccer a couple weeks ago out in the snow that build into this home opener. Dane St. Clair, Fred Emmings feels kind of weird not to have a Sonny Dotson there when it's bangers only, but <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he's uh, got baby duty that day. So what yeah. can you say about this event coming up? I mean, I could say the same thing I talked about. You know, when I when I talk about this, the first team stuff we do, the second team, the the academy, like there's this whole other awesome part of our club that really has the purpose of inspiring United in our community and is so amazingly creative in storytelling so many create so amazingly creative in terms of interacting with our fan base and and interacting with social media and interacting with uh, our corporate sponsors and so to me um this event reminds me of of the all-star week it, it reminds me of like oh well that's gonna be awesome well that's awesome and and so to me, setting up something at first have with two amazingly cool bands, you know, kiss the tiger and social animals um, in an iconic venue that, you know, I I've been around long enough. Now I've had some really fun nights there. Uh, but now it's, it's for celebrating music and soccer. And then the, the kind of the celebration into the home opener. Um, so cool. Like I said, they, it's, it's, it's surreal on a different level. It just reminds me of this amazing front office that, um, you know, is, is, part of our club it's part of what i talk about on the soccer side is happening as we try to inspire the community we try to do things that our fan base but we all love but it's it's really minnesotan it's authentic it's genuine well and i love that it, they pick an iconic venue like first half i mean that kind of what was celebrated during you're absolutely right during the all-star week during the festivities it was like picking out all these iconic places that are in and around the twin cities that you could really celebrate and bring everybody together. And I know I think there's tickets or for more information, you can go to MNUFC.com as usual, but there's going to be some gear that they're handing out while it lasts. And um, as we said, Dane St. Clair, Fred Emmings, which Fred Emmings, you know, from right down the street in St. Paul of Allianz Field, I love talking to him about how he like basically can practically see the stadium out his window. So you talk about that player pathway once again, but yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Six o'clock on Thursday night. A great way to kick off the weekend going right into match day minus one on Friday and and looking forward to the home opener at Allianz Field on Saturday. I, I think we're supposed to get some more snow, but I think it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right if we didn't. Maybe <laughs> a few snowflakes in the air. I mean, hopefully no orange soccer balls in play on, on Saturday, but it, it seems fitting that we uh, are going to have some snow leading up to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I it would be very fitting, and it's a part of March. I, mean, I don't know how to get away with it. We're going to play in March. We're going to have to deal with snow, and I'm looking out the window right now, and um, yeah, we still have a lot of snow before spring comes here. <laughs> yep, it is what it is. We just embrace it here, and that's okay, and I'm sure the guys are going to embrace it, and they're looking forward to it, and uh, looking forward to seeing you at Allianz Field on uh, on Saturday. Manny, thanks so much for joining me. No, I totally appreciate it. Looking forward to it, and uh, let's go. Let's go, Allianz. Let's go, Minnesota. Awesome. Thank you. And coming up next, one last segment with uh, Sound of the Loons. Corey Frankenberg, head of community relations, is going to join me, chat about all things going on in the community. Stay tuned.
When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. This time we get a bonus segment, segment number three, with the woman, the myth, the legend, Corey Frankenberg, who is in charge of all things community relations. Yes, she does have a fabulous staff, but she is the one that puts it all together, makes things go. So welcome in, Corey. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I shouldn't say this afternoon. It's 1.37 at the time we're recording this, but I sometimes forget <laughs> even what day it is. So I guess it's technically afternoon, but I just wanted to have you on and everybody at the club thought this was a great idea to have you on because it makes so much sense when you guys have so much going on all the time. And I know that we're going to talk about a few specific things, but also if you give people, if you had to give people like this 20,000 foot view of what you do, what the club does and how it all comes together now that you've recovered from last year, including the all-star game festivities, what, what would you say, how could you summarize it up? And and we know the community involvement is such a big piece with Minnesota United. Yeah. So I would say my small and mighty team uh, made up of myself, Melinda and Chris, who are just over there. I wish I could have them both underneath my arms. Um, But we really oversee all the programming and planning and events that happen underneath our four core pillars as a club, which are soccer, diversity and inclusivity, greener goals and youth enrichment. Um, And as a club, we really decided that these four pillars are very intertwined and one affects the other. And we have our due diligence in our space to really uplift our community through these core values and um, that's how we program. That's how we uh, make our guys lovable and engaged in the community off the field. When you came in at a time, if we can go back and even just hit on that, you know, you came from the Minnesota Twins, but you came in at a time during the pandemic when everything kind of shut down and everybody's needs were exacerbated. Everybody in the community needed something rightfully so in those moments with schools and everything else, every program being shut down. So I remember talking to you early on when you joined, just like trying to sort of take it all in. You're, you you want to help everybody. So when you have these awesome community initiatives, you have these pillars as a club, how do you sort of whittle it down? How does that process work when there are so many you know, amazing organizations in the community and needs in the community. How do you kind of figure that out? Yeah, well, and and going back to March of 2020, when it was like my first time joining uh, Minnesota United, and I was in spring training with the Twins in, in Florida, and we were talking about the rumorings of what was happening in Italy. And do you think it will ever come here? And being very naive to, you know, what is happening in the world and then um, feeling very, um, vulnerable in a situation where we're like, we don't know how to control this. And then add on starting a new job, especially in the realm of community. I think the club already laid a pretty good foundation. And then we came in and said, we don't have the answers. We we don't. And as a professional soccer team, it's our job and, and any good business to lean on the community to tell us like, 
hey, yes, we do this as a club, but proactively, like, what do you need? What is the need? And being very cognizant to how other people's need help, like need help. And I think that's what we try to do, especially in, yes, we have these kind of guidelines and our pillars, but we're also very socially aware of what's, of what's happening in the world and leaning on our neighbors to tell us, like, this is how we need to feel seen. This is what we need. And how can we as a team amplify, uplift and hear our community? And so it's a lot of adapting. Yes, still pl- going through our plans of um, these projects and programs that we have, but being willing to adapt and being willing to hear hear how something might affect someone, if even if we don't live it ourselves and making sure that we're doing our job to give them the, the platform because that that we do have. When you look at just if you could summarize a little bit of maybe just the last year or some of those high points, some of those initiatives, some of those causes that Minnesota United was part of in the community and with different sort of aspects. We talk a lot about food drives. We talk about, you know, contributing different things, but maybe some things that people don't know about. What are some of kind of the high points that Minnesota United was a part of? Yeah, absolutely. And you you touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, we did host the All-Star Game, which comes with a huge community um, impact, a week-long activities every single day, really impactful. We are really consistent in our food drive efforts with Allianz and Keystone. We do our community cleanups with 3M. We try to be consistent in the community, but on top of everything we were able to accomplish, some new elements that we did last year with with this awesome team is um, implement Fraser sensory kits and uh, closed captioning onto your phone and making our stadium more inclusive and adaptable to every fan. Uh, we renovated a full field Arlington Hills Community Center soccer field, same irrigation system, irrigation system that our players play on. Um, we signed our first ever power soccer team with Alina Health. So now we're, I believe we're one of three MLS teams that have a power soccer team competing under U.S. Um, power soccer and they are phenomenal athletes and great kids Uh, we hope to shine some light onto them this year Uh, we hosted a united against gun violence um, campaign where we sold our shirts with fanatics and 100 percent of those proceeds going to every town against gun violence here in minnesota we renovated our mother's room we heard our fans talk about it and we said let's let's go in let's make a change and we made it more inclusive a better space more user-friendly. We also built a mini pitch brand new at the Hmong Cultural School of Excellence in St. Paul. And we hosted our first ever Kitman sale uh, with all proceeds benefiting mental health around the holidays with NAMI Minnesota. So I know that's a lot um, and I can hit on anything that you want more details on, but it's just amazing the platform we have to really make some powerful impacts locally. And I know one of the things I always enjoyed being a part of and just I'm sure power soccer might be very similar. And and when you see the joy on the faces is the Special Olympics and the unified teams like, yes, they sign like real contracts, you know, in the past, like Manny is there, you know, they're getting a jersey, like all these things that there's like literally nothing like it. And it's probably the same when you guys go out in the community and hold all these clinics because Mm -hmm. you see the joy on the faces and these kids and just the the smiles and the happiness that such something so tiny is something so big to someone mm-hmm. else. So I just, I just love seeing all that kind of stuff. It's so much fun to see it. And um, yeah, you, you hit it because yeah, the all-star week was crazy. You guys were insane in the places and the, in the contributions because of the combined effort with MLS and sort of the league requirements to be connected mm-hmm. to the community. But the beauty of it was you guys are already so involved in the community. It was like already what you did 
Yeah. You just had to up it up a little bit during that week because it was on a bigger scale, but the club is already so in the community already. It wasn't like it was completely foreign to you guys what was being asked. Oh, absolutely. And I think the best part of it was the league being really open-minded to want to resource everything locally too, which is when these grand scale events come to town, usually it's easier to work with larger companies and and have kind of like a copy and paste, but we wanted to really localize it, do all our catering local, do our lighting, our audio, and work with local um, businesses and, and make sure that we're bringing revenue to the city itself which was uh, really cool. It's it's an added effort to do that though. And I think that's why most people maybe tend not to, but it's really impactful and, and, and important as well. Well, and I think the community recognizes it as well. I think when the businesses realize that they're being called upon, that you're choosing them, that you want them to be a part of it, which has really always been Minnesota United's idea, especially building that stadium in the Midway and trying to you know be a part of the neighborhood around there. So that's always sort of been the thought process is that how can we do everything as much as possible, which not surprising that Minnesotans want to do everything themselves. That's sort of like <laughs> the nature of us, like don't mess with us. We can, we can handle it. So I think everybody appreciated that, including the local businesses. And that kind of leads us to what the most recent effort is. You guys did a phenomenal job. Supply drives are all these types of things over the holidays, which are always so important. Mittens, hats, coats, all sorts of things. But then now leading into, which I believe is just March 8th, International Women's Day and leading into which a, a, a phenomenal effort to make it a feminine care supply drive. What does that mean? How important is that? Something that people maybe don't ever think about as we donate hats and mittens and gloves and everything else <laughs> is the feminine care supply drive. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to something you mentioned later and, and what we discussed was the need of the community during the pandemic and listening to what is needed and something that's often overlooked is uh, feminine hygiene items, especially for marginalized women and groups and people of color here in the Twin Cities having access to proper care. And that is a huge part for any woman. And we all know how much money we spend annually, which is upwards of what, $20,000 on feminine hygiene products just to be functioning, which is another podcast for another time. Um, (laughs) But we had asked like, what, how do we fit in here and we worked with some local shelters to start the feminine care supply drive so this will be our third year just because we know that the need hasn't stopped um and i think we're we might be the only men's professional team that really tries to prioritize this because as much as we're focused on men's sports um all these men came from a woman and we gotta (laughs) make sure that we are taking care of that community and so this year from march 15th through the 18th in the black and blue team stores We have a list online of acceptive items. Um, You bring them in, you get a 10% uh, discount off of a purchase, and all proceeds this year are going to be benefiting the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center in St. Paul. Um, I'm going to read their mission statement because it's fabulous and really beautiful. But their mission is to empower Native women and families to exercise their cultural values with integrity and to achieve sustainable lifeways while advocating for justice and equity. Um, So we're super excited to partner with them and make sure that all these products are being distributed locally here. Yeah. And I think that you, you nailed that one too, because, and not only is it a men's professional sport, but we have an insane female following. I mean, this is like Mm -hmm. an all encompassing community as far as who comes to the game, who attends the games, who you're outreaching into the community. The fact that, yes, we all came from a woman in some way, shape or form, but those little things that people don't think about, um, as we're constantly trying to raise items, raise funds and support the community is just the simple thing of, 
you know, feminine care supplies and hygiene, just basic hygiene. We're talk- not talking like facials here. This <laughs> is like feminine hygiene just to get through every day, every week, every month, whatever it might be. So what a phenomenal um, effort by you guys once again. And along with that, and the community that it's supporting, is there anybody else in particular that supports this effort or that it, you're involved with or that partners with you guys on this or, you know, that has really been instrumental in what you guys like to accomplish? Yeah, uh, well, specifically for this initiative, we we have a great group of significant others to our players that are uh, willing and and able to to give back and help. So getting their involvement and then our supporters, like our fans are a big reason of why we're so active in the community because they are themselves. And so we are an extension of them. They're an extension of us. And so the work that they're doing, we're trying to co-collab and elevate. And so this is a great way for us to work smarter, not harder is by making sure that we're all aligned in the same mission. And last but not least, just one more time where people can find the list, how they can bring items. Does that count for even opening day? If you bring something into the black and blue store, is that just during non game day store hours? Cause you know, there's going to be a lot of people there on Saturday. So just kind of the, all the repeat, the nitty and the gritty of how people can <laughs> be a part of this one. Yes. Thank you. Um, Yes, March 15th through the 18th is the actual oh, drive. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's mainly a pure operational logistics. There's a lot of moving parts. We don't want this to get lost. And um, during team store hours um, through those days, if you want to drop it off earlier in the week, I do not think that we would turn it away. <laughs> um, but yes, the list can be found online on mnufc.com. Um, I know that it will be promoted socially as well because we have a very talented graphics team that knows what they're doing. I do not know anything about that, but I trust that it's the word the word is getting spread. And then, yes, guests who bring in an item will get a ten percent um, discount off of their purchase. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Appreciate you taking the time and. You know, follow Corey on Twitter, but follow Minnesota United as well. I don't have you know, a Twitter. Oh, never mind. Don't follow Corey on Twitter. Sorry. Follow, follow Minnesota United on Twitter because, like she said, the social digital team will be all over it. They do a great job. Um, and if you are wondering what it has been done, just find the recap videos of everything else that has been done, not just in the last two or three months, but the last year and whatnot. So they do a phenomenal job supporting the community. And thank you to the fans, the supporters, the club employees of the club that are almost at every single event that ever needed to be volunteered at. So thank you to everybody for participating. And Corey, thanks for joining us today. Yes. And thank you for giving us the platform to talk about it and for your heart, for wanting to share the story as well. So, yeah, this is going to be awesome. More, more, just another, another thing that you guys have going to absolutely crush it with. So I appreciate it. Thank you. We're just out here trying to do our part. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, Hey, that's good. That's good. Cause not everybody does, not everybody does the same thing. You guys absolutely (laughs) kill it. So we appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of sound of the loons. Remember home opener Saturday, March 11th against the New York Red Bulls. It's going to be awesome. 7.30 kick time, all sorts of amazing festivities and things going on ahead of time. We talked already about the bangers only ball, which is on Thursday night, of course, at 6 PM at first Ave. you can find more infinite. information on mmusc.com and then also tickets still available as well for saturday's match so come on out so thanks everybody and enjoy the rest of your day